listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. listening to Framework Focus, the podcast that explores trends, innovations, and insights in the long-term care pharmacy industry. Join us as we connect the entire LTC ecosystem. Hello, welcome once again to Framework Focus. Uh, My name is Dr. Mark Fulton. I am your host, and I am bringing you the best podcast, 100% focused on long-term care pharmacy, brought to you by SoftWriters, the first and only software 100% focused on the unique needs and workflows of long-term care pharmacies. Uh, with me today is my special guest and a good friend of mine, Patrick Hussey. Uh, Patrick Hussey is the Regional Director of Operations at Symbria. Uh, Patrick, great to have you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I appreciate you having me here today. Right on, man. Um, so Patrick and I, we, we've we been friends for a long time, and we've had, we had a great conversation on the way up here. We actually drove down together. Um, but... Patrick, so just for our listeners, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get to become a pharmacist and why choose this profession? That's a good question. So um, my background, I grew up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, so probably about an hour and a half east uh, of Pittsburgh. I live in Pittsburgh now, obviously close to you. I did undergrad uh, biology at Duquesne. Was out of school for a year. I uh, was bartending. It's uh, actually working at the Audubon Society. So if anybody watches this knows me, they know that I like birds because of that year I spent with uh, a lot of retirees uh, doing bird watching. Um, and just decided I had to figure out something else to do. So, you know, Duquesne had just started this uh, at the time they called it a weekend pharmacy program. And I had no idea what that meant. But, you know, before you know it, I was enrolled and back in school at Duquesne for pharmacy in Pittsburgh. And that's really how it started. I wish I could tell you, Mark, that I had some noble cause for becoming a pharmacist. Um, Like I know you, you know, I've heard you tell a story about, hey, I grew up, my first job was in a, was in a local independent pharmacy. Uh, Mine was not, it was, I went back to school really because I was like, I heard you can make six figures. Like, <laughs> hey, sign me up. You know, I, I like science. So here I was. And, you know, I, obviously, I've really grown to love it. It's my career. You know, I've been in pharmacy, I guess it's what, 12, 13 years now. Um, so it's kind of how I arrived. Wow. That's such a cool story. I love asking people that question because you get a different answer every time you ask it. And everyone who chooses pharmacy as, the path they want to follow in life, they all get there from, you know, a different path, you know, all these different roads that lead you into this really amazing profession. So, I mean, you've done this 12, 13 years. Uh, Pharmacy is changing. Pharmacy is changing a lot. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is uh, Patrick and I are going to sit here. We're going to wrap about the future of pharmacy, specifically the future of long-term care pharmacy. And we'll look at this for a few different dimensions. So, Patrick, what's the biggest change that you've seen in your, you know, 15-year career span as a pharmacist? It's a good question. I mean, I, I started my career in retail. You know, I was an intern in retail, worked as a pharmacist probably about a year and a half and two years, and I kind of lucked into the long-term care space. So, specifically for, for long-term care pharmacy, um, 
I think we have seen this shift. I remember 10 years ago, the talk was about automation, right? And how it was going to take away, or at least the, there was a thought there, I think, for some people, it was going to take away people, right? And people doing jobs. And I feel like it's it's shifted from not just automation to this day and age. It's It's almost, you know, AI is the buzzword now. Like, you know, we hear all these other companies using AI in their in their processes as part of their systems, but, you know, will our industry accept it? Are we going to be able to use it? Can we use AI to do order entry? Um, what has shifted, not just over 10 years, and I, I, I barely even want to talk about the pandemic anymore because, you know, you want to be over it, we want to move past, but the fact is it hit our industry, you know, nursing homes, facilities, our aging services harder than anything else. So, that has shifted for us in the last three or four years or since it started that, you know, our, our homes are focused on surviving and, and, and it's about patient care, but it's also, you know, how are you going to help us do our jobs easier and save us money? So as pharmacies, you know, and, and operations, we have to say, how can we take care of our residents and make sure they're getting the medications they need in a timely manner, um, but still be able to do it? you know, in a cost conscious way. Um, and that's been the biggest shift lately for us. Um, you know, that's, that's a really great perspective, because it, there's been a ton of change. When I think about the things I've seen over the past 20 years, I've been a pharmacist. Uh, the, the biggest things that come to mind for me are the rise of e prescribing. Yep, you know, when absolutely. I started, it was all phone all on paper. And now we're almost 100% electronic in a lot of markets. And the other thing is the changes to the controlled substance scheduling. When hydrocodone moved over to C2, um, when I started, we were filling scripts for like, you know, 120 Vicodin mm -hmm. ES, five refills, and that was no big deal. But moving the hydrocodone to C2, I think, was a big move. It was a long time coming. Uh, I'm kind of glad it happened. But um, you work for Symbria, and Symbria as a pharmacy is pretty unique. I want to check out their website here. You guys have a really innovative approach to long-term care and the types of patients you serve and how you go about taking care of those residents. Tell us a little bit about Symbria. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've been with them for, for a year and a half now. You know, I've worked for a couple of different uh, pharmacy companies, but I think a couple of things that stand out about, you know, Symbria is we are an ESOP. We're an employee-owned company. Um, you know, financially, what, what does that mean for you? You'll have to ask somebody smarter than me. I can just tell you that operationally, um, you see a lot of people at Symbria have been there for a long time, right? So I was very amazed. One of my first, you know, senior leadership meetings, I was in Chicago where we're based out of, and people went around for their icebreaker and said, you know, what's your name? I don't know. What do you like? And how long have you been here? And it was 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, 20 years. And I just feel like that's something that you really don't see this day and age, especially in what we do. It can be, you know, Mark, you know, it's like some days in operations can be Groundhog Day, so it can be tough. Um, but I think that sets us apart because we have a lot of people that are rowing in the same direction, you know, and and it's it's holding people accountable, just not downstream, but it's upstream as well, you know. Um, our, our technicians that are working at our pharmacies need me to be really successful at what I do because it benefits them. It benefits everybody as a whole. I need them to obviously be very successful because it benefits me and the company as a whole. So it, it's been a nice change. 
um, Symbria too was started as a therapy company. So really, you know, doing in-house and, and different types of therapy, physical, occupational at the nursing facilities. So that's really led to the establishment of, of pharmacies, um, you know, across different parts. So. Oh, cool, man. We, uh, Symbria is a terrific mm -hmm. organization. Uh, the folks there have been partners with uh, Framework LTC, with Sockwriters uh, for a number of years. And uh, we've been able to do a lot of really great things together and improve the quality of care in long-term care. So I want to take a moment now. Let's get into the meat of it. Let's hop in the DeLorean and let's head to the future, right? I want to talk about what's ahead for long-term care pharmacy. When we look at what's coming up in the next 5, 10, 15 years in the profession of pharmacy, there's going to be a lot of change. There are things that are changing right this minute uh, from a technology, regulatory, pharmacy practice level that are going to impact the way we do business, the way we operate, the way we care for patients. So let's start with some of the technology things that are happening. Right now, the big buzzword is interoperability. There's a lot of regulations that are going on to promote or drive interoperability between systems. Um, I want to hear your perspective, Patrick. What are some of the technologies that you think are going to greatly impact long-term care pharmacy in the future? Yeah, I mean, I touched on it a little bit before, but you know, automation is always going to be a piece of it. You're always going to be asked to do a little bit more with a little bit less. And that's just kind of the way the, way the world works. Um, I do think there's going to be an opportunity for AI as well. I mean, every day I look up, I feel like I see a new, uh, you know, generalized healthcare company um, startup. I'm not quite sure what they do, but it all looks like they're utilizing AI in some former fashion, right? Um, I'm sure somebody out there has, has done it, but I really haven't come across many pharmacies that are using AI in their operations currently. Um, I do see that there might be a role for it. Um, you have to be careful because at the end of the day, I still think that relationship between nursing home and pharmacy still is a person-to-person -person thing. And when we want to use technology, we don't want to replace the person per se. We want to uh, take some of that administration work off of the people so that they can interact uh, with the residents, with the nursing home staff to help them uh, better succeed. So I do think that part of the future, you know, is going to be AI related. The other big buzzword, I'm sure we've all heard lately is, I guess it's more than one word, um, LTC at home, mm -hmm. right? And this has come across a ton lately. And I'll be honest, at first, when I sat on these calls to listen to different people speak about it, it was so artificial, I get not artificial, superficial, I couldn't, I understand the premise, right? But I was like, how is this going to get done? And I think really what it boils down to for it to really take off, like we want it to, it's, it's legislation, um, you know, to beat a dead horse, you know, to be able to do these things, these types of things, the pharmacies need to get reimbursed for the things they're doing. Um, I, I had a dentist appointment this morning and, um, boy, do I hate the dentist more than anything. And I was sitting there thinking how bad I hate the dentist. And of course, this lady's got her hands down to her elbows in my mouth and is asking me questions as if I can respond. But then she starts to tell me about her father who just recently passed away. 
And so I'm, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Forest, you know, <laughs> and uh, she starts talking about her father. And I was like, did he stay at home after? And she's like, yeah, my mom was the one who was taking care of him. And, you know, it's actually been a good thing that he's passed just because of the burden it's relieved. And she goes, you know what? And this is unprompted. And, you know, I am a pharmacist by education. But uh, she said, you know, one of the hardest things we had to deal with was he had close to 20 medications. And then I start, you know, prompting away. I'm just like, well, who's dealing with these? She's like, well, he gets a diabetes once from this pharmacy. He gets his prostate cancer once from this pharmacy. All the rest, he he just got diagnosed with uh, congestive heart failure before he passed away. And he was getting these from this pharmacy. And my mother was having such trouble keeping up with her medications. She actually told me that they hired a home health worker. And one of the primary goals uh, right before he passed was just to help with that. So there's a need. I think everybody knows there's a need. Uh, every time you see another statistic, I feel like it grows exponentially about how many elderly people uh, there will be in 2030. I feel like that just keeps growing. Um, but it, it, we have to get reimbursed for those services, right? So I think that that is definitely part of the future. Um, you know, being from Western Pennsylvania, you know, Mark was my Uber this morning, which I appreciate. Uh, we have some very innovative pharmacies here doing it right now, some closed door communities. And I honestly, I think they're the best ones. Um, they're in the best place right now to be able to service that at home, long-term care at home market once it it really takes off. I think for the traditional long-term care pharmacies, you know, what I do, I think that if legislation passes and we get some recognition of what long-term care pharmacy is, right? It's not just a place. It's it's a service, like you said. I mean, I think that's the best way to put it. It's it's more than just where you're at. Um, I think a lot of traditional long-term care pharmacies, they're going to look at these independent living and that's going to be a big source of revenue and a big opportunity and a, and a way to help out these residents who, you know, I can use one of my best friends as another example. He goes out to his grandfather's independent living nursing home every two weeks to fill up his two-week medication planner, you know, and people don't know what they don't know. There's opportunities out there, but we have barriers right now. Um, but that's, I, I mean, I see the future going that way. And I know there's a lot of long-term care at home talk, but I will say, and this is just my perspective. And I asked a couple of people who I consider very smart in our industry that I've worked with in the past, what are your thoughts? Cause I want to hear other people's thoughts too on what this will look like. And you know, every day we look up that assisted living and independent living scene is changing. They're becoming more of resorts, oh. right? <laughs> so I don't necessarily think that that's going to go away either. So I think there's going to be a market still for those types of places. I don't think it's all going to dry up all of a sudden mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, but those are kind of what I see, I think. Right on. What I think is really interesting about what you said is you talked about how that the uh, dental hygienist you know, really just opened up to you, right? And start telling you that story. I found that to be true uh, throughout my life. Whenever I talk to people and I tell them, oh, well, by the way, I'm also a pharmacist. Yeah. The light switch flips. Once they learn that you're a pharmacist and people listening, I know you've had the same experience, right? They hear you're a pharmacist. The first thing they do is they start asking you a list of drug-related questions that they've either always wanted the answer to 
or they want to tell you all about the medications they're taking or their elderly relative is taking. Um, and what that affirms to me is there's a demand out there. People want information about medications. Because when you talk about long-term care at home, the people that are managing the meds for these folks that are in independent living scenarios that are living by themselves, it's a family member. It's their daughter, it's a granddaughter, a grandson, it's a niece or a nephew. It's someone else who's trying to put those meds in the little compartments, line it up, figure out how to get them, how to organize them, how to manage that, making sure that that supply is maintained and <clears throat> trying to understand, well, what should I look for? What are the side effects? What are the interactions? These are real questions and they matter and they impact the quality of care that patient gets. You know, when we talk about long-term care as a, a differentiated type of pharmacy, you know, we are talking about service level. Long-term care is not just a place. It's not just the type of setting in which the patient gets care. It's the value. It's the quality. It's the comprehensiveness of the service they're getting inside that facility, whether it's a traditional LTC setting or whether they're at home. You know, when I think about technology, you know, the AI is probably going to have a lot to do with predictive analytics, you know, clinical decision support, I think is a place where we'll really start to see that. I agree. Yeah, I, I honestly, I thought of the DUR screen, like, you know, not the plug, but but plug and, and, you know, LTC, you know, when you're working out of framework, that screen and being more interactive and being able to look at more things. And you see companies already doing it, right? Outside companies, right? Um, but there's definitely application there. And again, it's not to necessarily replace the individual, it's to replace some of the administrative burdens so that that individual can have more of an impact other places, right? I mean, the more we can make making better decisions easier for pharmacists and other clinicians, you know, we already see this in EHRs. Uh, and that's another place where I think it'll have a big impact, uh, helping healthcare providers to make better decisions faster. So that way, we can take care of more people in a more efficient manner without compromising quality, right? So let's turn the table a little bit here. Let's talk about regulations. There's a lot of stuff happening. So uh, soft writers, regulations are my number one focus. I own the regulatory compliance aspect of our product suite, and we're always scanning the environment, trying to figure out what's happening in the legislative world, the regulatory space that's going to impact uh, not just our product, but like how pharmacies practice, right? How we organize and how we behave day to day in the pharmacy, what limits or allows what we can do and how we can care for residents. So what's top of mind for you, Patrick, when you think about the regulatory landscape? That it constantly changes. And to be honest, one of the things that stays at the top of my mind is how do we manage it without sinking a ton of energy? into it right because it's not like we have all this extra uh extra people power where we can just say okay you two now we don't i don't have a mark fulton you know to do that for me um so we have to be able to manage those things make sure we are always in compliance while still making sure operations is running the way it should um now some of the things that have, that can be changing are you know some of the OTC availability, you know, we kind of talked a little bit earlier, naloxone, that varies now, you know, over different states are looking at different things. Um, and, and some of the things coming down the pike, like USP 800, you know, that was so hot three years ago. Uh, and then the pandemic started, right? Yeah. 
And all of a sudden it, it disappeared. And it was like, oh, we don't have to worry about this anymore. Oh, it's still happening. Well, November that's, first, that, that's what I mean. Then all yeah. of a sudden we come back out of it and it's like, oh yeah, November 1st, you better be ready. Yep. Um, so those are things that are constantly on our mind. So, you know, where I work now, we're not a huge company. We have, you know, small to medium size, but every time you step into a new state, Mark, um, and you know, there's always these little wonky things that you're mm -hmm. not used to. Um, we just expanded into Massachusetts, for example. We learned a lot, you yeah. know, <laughs> as we went through it. Oh, they've got a lot of regulations. Yeah. There. Yeah. Actually, I took my law exam to get licensed there and I was like, there's no way I passed this, but I did. Um, but yeah, those are the types of things that kind of keep you up at night. Um, yep. You know, and sometimes pharmacy works, you don't want to say gray area, but there's a lot of interpretation with some of these pharmacy regulations, right? Mm -hmm. That you can say, hey, I see it this way. Hey, I see it that way. Um, so it's helpful to have other opinions out there that can kind of guide you towards where you need to go. You and me have talked about this before too. We work in a a landscape where not only do we need to know pharmacy regulation, you have to have a good understanding of nursing facility regulation too. Oh, absolutely. You, you know what I mean? And they don't, it's not like they talk to each other, you mm -hmm. know? So sometimes those two things can be, I don't want to say directly opposing, but a little bit, you know, so you have to be able to manage that and have the tools to manage. Absolutely. Because not only do you have to know how to practice pharmacy in your state and the other states where you operate and deliver to, but you have to know those CMS regulations. You have to know well, what does the long-term care facility need for me in order to be financially sound, in order to not get dinged by CMS, in order to not have their star rating reduced, right. right? What are those check marks that they need to have and how can I help them do it? You know, on our last podcast, we talked to the compliance store, which is an outfit that helps long-term care facilities manage their compliance component of their operations. And so we talked about why it's so important for pharmacies that service long-term care to know what those CMS regulations are, to know what the facilities need to do, what they need from us, because to be honest, they are short staffed too, right? They're in a crunch. They look to the pharmacy as their partner in taking care of those residents. They look to us to be their partner. And that's what a partnership is, right? That's how you help. And it's doing what we can do to collaborate you know, in the provision of care there. You know, one of the things we've seen on the regulatory circuit right now, we've been seeing a ton of laws being passed uh, in multiple states to address pharmacy working conditions. Now, a lot of these are specifically focused on retail, I think, because, you know, we're talking about setting maximum number of scripts you can check a day, right? Uh, time, you know, guaranteed breaks, um, you know, giving the pharmacist in charge more ownership of how that retail pharmacy operates. And these laws are needed. And what's really interesting about this is it's not a red state or blue state thing. We're seeing this in states like Ohio, as well as Illinois, right? There really isn't a political divide among the opinion that, well, pharmacists need to own the practice of pharmacy in their setting, right? So, you know, for retail pharmacists out there, I mean, you look on Reddit, you look on the threads where pharmacists are talking. They're talking a lot about working conditions. You're probably familiar with pizza is not working, uh, the grassroots movements that are out there. You know, retail pharmacists are burnt out, you know, and a lot of them don't know, well, what else can I do? You know, I mean, you and I both have backgrounds in retail. We both work the bench. So 
Is long-term care a good fit for someone who's burnt out on retail? And if so, what can they do? Yeah, I like that term, work the bench. Definitely work the bench. Yeah, I started my career off in, you know, big box retail, right? So if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, and while it was a tough time, I, I think you would agree with me. We both took great lessons from that, right? Because um, you have to have a great sense of uh, emotional intelligence to get through some of those days. So is long-term care a good fit for people from retail? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I recently had a set of students uh, from Duquesne University, who I host, you know, students on rotation, both hippie and happy. And one of the things she said to me that was, I mean, it wasn't complicated, but it was one of the more profound things that a student has said to me. They just were like, you know, one of the biggest benefits I got from being here with you and being at the long-term care pharmacy was I don't have to do a residency to do something like this. And I'd never even thought about it because, you know, we go through school and I think, I don't know if it's intentional, but uh, as a student, at least I felt that, hey, I either do a residency or I go to retail. That's mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you well, don't really know. Just do retail. Just do yeah. retail. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so I think that to hear her say, hey, we can do something else and, yeah. you know, talk about all the different career paths. But yeah, so. I don't know if this is a great comparison, but I think sometimes long-term care or the way I explain it to some of the new students or new people, it's kind of a cross or it sits somewhere in the middle between hospital and retail, right? Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of mail order thrown in there. Yeah, a little bit of mail order. I like that. So yeah, you get kind of a cross of everything. It is a good space uh, to come into. Um, one of the biggest benefits about working in long-term care um, is that I think that you have your peers with you during the day. Mm -hmm. You know, when I worked retail, sometimes working the bench, uh, I felt like I was in on, on an island and I was expected to know everything. You know, the, the public comes up to you and hey, we're, you know, we're listed as one of the most trusted professionals, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we have the most access to when you're working at a retail pharmacy. So they would ask you off the wall questions and, you know, you're kind of looked at as you need to have an answer, mm -hmm. which could be stressful, you know, sometimes. Um, especially when you're filling 500 scripts a day or 600 scripts, yeah. right? So you're trying to do all these different things. I think one of the best things about coming to LTC is that you do have peers around you so that, you know, if I didn't know a question when I was a young pharmacist and even now, you know, I could put them on hold that nursing facility and I could ask a pharmacist that's sitting next to me or in the building and that's been doing this for 30 years that has this wide scope of knowledge and practice and say, Hey, have you seen this before? What did you do? How did you handle? Um, and that's a big benefit. And, you know, some of the other benefits are obviously it's, it's a closed door. So while, you know, there's a good and a bad, right? You want to be interacting with the patients and the residents and making a difference, obviously. Um, but especially at a big box retail, like be stressful. You know, you're, you're seeing people coming in. Um, you may be overworked. You may be working long hours. And at the long-term care setting, it's, you know, you're not public facing. You don't have people coming in and out. You're working obviously directly with nursing homes um, and nursing facilities and nursing staff. Um, so there's a benefit to being able to take a lunch when you need to, or mm -hmm. dare I say, go to the bathroom when you need to. Um, so those are things that are really appealing. I will say coming from retail and hiring retail pharmacists is 
one of the things I do appreciate is there's a sense of urgency a lot of times in a retail pharmacist because they're how to get it done. They're trying to get people out the door yeah. as quick as possible because you know how things can build up. So right now it, it's really true. So when I left retail pharmacy in 2011 and I went to work for a closed door pharmacy, it was just life changing. One of the biggest things, uh, the biggest challenges that I had in that transition was my self-perspective, right? When we're, in, when we're in pharmacy school, we tend to think, like you said, I can go to retail or I can go to hospital or clinical, and that's my choice. I've got these two options. And what I didn't know at the time, and I wish I did, I wish I knew about all the other jobs that are out there in pharmacy. I wish I knew that, you know, pharmacists are everywhere. Like right now I work in technology. I'm here hosting the podcast. Uh, I've had a lot of privilege, a lot of opportunity along the way, but I've been able to like capitalize on it, been able to take those opportunities and keep learning. And I think one of the things that helps if I could give advice to students that are listening, or maybe you're listening and you're a retail pharmacist and you're feeling burnout. Number one, you're not alone. There's a bunch of people out there just like you looking for answers. And if you haven't considered long-term care, I suggest you give it a shot. I suggest you call up your local long-term care pharmacy, call up one of your friends on LinkedIn who is an LTC pharmacist, book some time with them. Ask them, hey, what's your job like, right? Tell me, tell me what a day in the life is like for you. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And start looking into this. One of the things that you can actually do in long-term care is you can become a board-certified geriatric pharmacist and get a BCGP. And one of the cool things is you don't need a residency to do that. And that's awesome. You have a, you have some board certified pharmacists working for you, right, Patrick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and you're right. You don't need a residency to do it. I looked, I never did it. You know, I, I kind of went the other route. I have my MBA um, because I've always gravitated more towards the business side, but definitely. And it's not just working within the, the four, the four walls of a long-term care pharmacy, right? There's a consultant pharmacist position, which you know, I think for a lot of people was great. You're kind of working out on your own. You're you're going to the facilities. You're you're making your own schedule, um, so you can schedule around life and the things that happen. So it's a pretty good opportunity as well, too. Uh, I'm I'm really glad you mentioned that because consultant pharmacist work is so valuable. It's so needed. It gives you a chance to work really independently. And if you're that kind of clinical minded person, you know that's something you may want to go towards. Uh, I'm going to take a little break here. We're going to take a pause. We're going to hear from some of our sponsors. And then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Patrick Hussey talking about the future of LTC Pharmacy. Hey, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We are dedicated to bringing a myriad and diverse amount of content to you six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. And it is all driven by pharmacists, educating pharmacists, pharmacy technicians sharing, pharmacy professionals helping to build the better and future pharmacy care model. Tune in, go subscribe on all platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thank you for all that you do. Welcome back. You are listening to Framework Focus. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Fulton, here with Dr. Patrick Hussey, and we are talking about the future of long-term care pharmacy. Now, before we get started with our second segment, Patrick, I want to shoot you like a, 
a couple of rapid fire questions here. Just want to get your feedback. Uh, let's just gauge a little bit about how much, what's your pharmacy IQ. Tell me what's your yeah. first pharmacy job? CVS retail working the bench. All right. Uh, uh, give me a song about drugs. Lincoln park breaking the habit right on, uh, name a drug that's no longer on the market. Quaaludes. And the reason I bring that up is because we had a technician who used to tell us how she used to take them back in the day. And so her nickname was Quay and I'll never forget it. I, I think every pharmacy has that one technician that like came with a store that's been around for like 40, 50 years and they know everything, everything, everything. And, and a couple of my friends who hopefully they'll listen to this. They're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. And Quay, if you listen to this, shout out. Right on, man. Right on. Okay. What's a cool drug name you like to say? Moxifloxacin. Ooh. Rolls off the tongue. Right on. Okay. All right. Last one. Best thing about being a pharmacist. There's a couple. I mean, the, the obvious one that comes to me is the opportunity to make a difference uh, in people's life that actually has an impact. Um, the second thing in, in my current situation, like working with my teams, you know, it's just something that I, I really enjoy. Like going into work every day is what it is. It's never going to be rainbows and sunshine and ice cream every day. Right. But mm -hmm. it's really more about who you work with. So, you know, while it's a tough, can be a tough job some days, we try to keep it light and try to have fun. So those are probably my two. You know, I love, I love the way you answered that because, you know, when I think about the thing I love most about my job, it, it's the same thing. It's the people that I get to work with. You know, I learn something every day because um, the people I work with are for the most part, not from the profession of pharmacy. So I just got a whole world of things to learn about. And it keeps me humble, helps me to keep my ego in check. And it helps me to grow a little bit every day. Yeah. So you look like a genius because nobody knows what you're talking about. Right. So they just, everybody's just like, yeah, Mark. No, man. No, I'm the dumbest guy in the room when it comes to software. <laughs> but hey, let's talk about pharmacy practice trends. Let's talk about what's coming down the road when we think about how we do our jobs as pharmacists and what that's going to look like in the future. I mean, one of the trends that I'm seeing right now is there's a greater emphasis on the services we provide in pharmacy over the products, right? We got all these laws coming out to kind of restrict prices, restrict PBM pricing practices. And, but at the same time, we see states moving to expand the scope of practice for pharmacists, allowing us to do more at the top of our license. So what are your thoughts on that and how that's going to play into what long-term care pharmacy looks like as we move ahead? I think it's going to play into it a lot. And I think you're exactly right. You know, some of the the product's not necessarily going to change, right? But the scope of what a pharmacist can do and can provide and and the impact and the impact they can show to these PBMs and, you know, health insurance plans to say, yes, you know, we do X, Y, and Z. Uh, we do, yeah, basically digital MTM from the home utilizing, you know, Bluetooth or whatever technology they have to say, I can tell when you took your insulin, I can tell when you took your inhaler, um, and I can take all that data and show that, yes, Mark is taking his inhaler every day as prescribed, and I can turn around and I can take that information, send it to the insurance company, and then we can get reimbursed for the services we provide. Um, so I absolutely think that's a, a big part of it coming forward. You know, long-term care, it, it's the same thing. It's 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 how do we help 
those nursing staffs increase the level of care they provide to their patients and make their life easier, right? So everything that we do and we evolve our pharmacy practices has to be with the perspective of how does it make their life easier? We've talked about this before, like, you know, they, the nursing homes really don't care what we do inside the pharmacy, right? right. <laughs> do we have our stuff? Is it on time? Is it correct? Is it making my life easier or harder? And that's really what it's about. So, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I think is really true about where pharmacy is going is it, it there's more and more an emphasis on specialization, right? If you look at the board of pharmacy specialties, they keep adding different specialty domains that are out there. And there's a need for pharmacists to work in these specializations, you know, across the spectrum. And, you know, geriatric pharmacy is definitely one of them. And long-term care itself, there's a movement right now to kind of carve out long-term care and define it as something unique and independent, something different, you know, because it has those special rules, because it has kind of a different operating structure than a traditional pharmacy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously I'm biased. But I think it should be. I, I think it should be carved out because, you know, I, I mentioned an example earlier of, a, you know, an elderly wife trying to take care of her dying husband and trying to manage 20 medications. We go to school for what, six years to do those types of tasks. And it's still difficult. It's still, you know, not easy. You still have to have a lot of knowledge to go into these things. So there definitely is a path And we talked a little bit earlier, too, about you know, the the more specialization there is, it, it's great for our profession because there's so many more paths that you can take this day and age, whether it's pharma, long-term care, retail, hospital, software companies, you know, there's all these different things that you can do. Um, so I, I do think it's good for our profession. Oh, it's absolutely. You know, it, when I was in school, I graduated in 2003. When when I graduated pharmacy school, I really thought there were these like two channels and I had to pick one. I had no idea that there were so many different uh, opportunities out there for what you could do with a pharmacy degree and how you can leverage that to make a difference. So I, when I, I love it, I love listening to the pharmacy podcast network, hearing about how pharmacists have really taken up the mantle of advancing patient care, advancing the provision of drug therapy in new and different ways using that knowledge to create a new service, create something better to really make the world a better place and make it a safer world for patients and medications. Yeah. And, and, and for the students out there or people who have just started their career and we often talk like, Hey, you know, maybe retail isn't where you want to be long-term, but it might be a good solution for you short-term, you know, go get the experience and just don't give up looking at, you know, other avenues that may, you may be more passionate about. So resources like that, like the pharmacy podcast, hearing other people do things that you never even thought were, were a possibility with pharmacy. I mean, that could be inspirational to say, okay, I'm here today, but what, what steps do I have to take to get to, to be a Mark Fulton, right? <laughs> or where do I need to get to? So I think it's cool. Well, or be a Patrick Hussey, right? And seriously, um, I get the best guests on the show. I'm so grateful. You know, when I think about the future, when we think about the future, right, in a campy kind of, uh, you know, macro media sense, right? We think about robots, right? Robots everywhere. We got self-driving cars now. I was actually parked at a stoplight next to one in Phoenix uh, over the summer. And it was the weirdest thing. It had that big swivelly thing on top. And I thought, man, here I am. I'm in the future. And this is it. 
And so when you go to a long-term care pharmacy, and I've been in a bunch of these, and I know you have too, when you walk into a, a long-term care pharmacy, I mean, these things are never in like the nicest part of town, right? They're always in like an industrial park somewhere. There's like, a, you know, just like a dumpster out front and gravel parking lot. But you walk inside. This place is like the future if you would see it in a movie. This is if you close your eyes and imagine what a futuristic pharmacy looks like. That's what a long-term care pharmacy is. You've got robotics. You've got automation. You've got all these machines that are working with you know, specialized package types and, uh, you know, strip packaging machines and things like that. Talk a little bit about the technology that your pharmacies use and how you see that increasing or changing in the future. Yeah. And I, I've used some, you know, some different types of technology over my career at different places. Uh, right now, where we're at, our big focus is, you know, strip packaging. So, you know, ad adherence packaging in the strip. So multi-dose per the packets, so the little packs you tear open and you give. And again, it was a perfect example I used earlier that that person at home really could have benefited something like that, mm -hmm. or even a card like the, you know, the more old school bingo card, but utilizing the multi-dose setup for that too. Um, you're right. You know, our, our pharmacies are in places like we're not advertising, right? It's not as, CVS, big box retail, we we don't want you to come here, actually. Um, we don't want people to know that they're here. We want to operate um, kind of in the background, you know, because we're sending out deliveries of medications to nursing homes every day. Uh, we have no public that's coming in. But, you know, you walk in and you're right, we have big robots. And it's not at the point yet. I always say robot, I guess the best word's automation. Um, robot. Yeah, I, mean, I like robot. You know, it's we don't have robots like walking around yet and like rolling stuff up to us yes. but yeah i know um but that is a big part of what we do and it's it's that interface between the software that you use and the hardware the the robots in your pharmacy which really makes or breaks your teams we said earlier you you're never gonna they're never gonna say hey here's here's more add more and do less it's it's uh you know, here's, you have less, do more. And you've got to be able to utilize these automation and robot systems in order to do that, in order to be a profitable pharmacy. Mm -hmm. We talk to students, you know, what's the number one thing you want to do? If you want to be a great kind of, if you want to own a farm, you have to make money. You know, that's not mm -hmm. the be all end all, but to give great resident care, you've got to be, you know, you got to be able to make a living and be profitable to be open and do those things. So these robots or automation are seen as an investment, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how is this going to help us down the long run? Are we going to grow? How can we scale our operations? Will this piece of automation allow us to do that? Um, and that's what we kind of look for um, when you walk in. Absolutely. Because, you know, having technology like that, having the technology to increase your efficiency, to do more, more accurately with less manpower, it's not an option. Right. Yeah. This is something you got to do, especially if you want to scale up, if you want to stay in business, you want to be competitive and you want to be able to have quality at scale. That's the cost of entrance. So that's why it's so important to have really good integrations, not just with a single platform, but you have to integrate with multiple technologies. Right. Right. You're integrating not just with your robots that are doing the filling on the floor within the four walls of the pharmacy. You've got connections with automated dispensing cabinets, right? On site of the facility. Yep. Yeah. Your emergency backup automation kits that are at each, each facility. 
And, you know, your, your software has to interact with multiple EHRs too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it'd be nice if there was one big platform out there. There mm-hmm. is not, I can tell you that. Um, we see different ones pop up every week. Um, so we have to be able to adjust our our business, right? And, and our technology and our automation to adapt to whatever that nursing fil- uh, facility that we're choosing to partner with whatever it is they're doing, we have to be able to adapt. So that's big. Right. Yeah, that's a great segue into what I want to talk about next, which is some of the macro trends. Some of the, if we take this, the the term 10,000 foot view is really overused, but I'm going to use it anyways. If we take the 10,000 foot view and we zoom way, way out and we look at what are these macro industry trends that are going to impact how we do business and what we do. Um, one of the big ones I see is, uh, and it's not my term, so I'm going to quote it here. It's the democratization of data. Um, you know, you mentioned how it's a burden, right? Because one system doesn't talk to the next, doesn't talk to the next. In long-term care, this causes a lot of problems for us, right? Patient comes out of the hospital, they go into the rehab facility, they go into a nursing facility, they get discharged to home, they come back in. Keeping track of, I mean, just an accurate med list for these patients is a challenge that's almost impossible to do today in this modern age in 2023. So we think about uh, how data will be shared among systems, having this universal set of data, right? A universal patient record, you know, that we can all tap into. Uh, You know, what are some of the, do you see that as a possibility? It, It would be great. I'll start with that. Yeah, it'd be absolutely excellent. Um, but you are 100% right. One of the biggest challenges we face in the healthcare system in itself faced in a big cost driver is people changing settings, right? Healthcare settings. Mm-hmm. And I, I gave a talk at a conference probably last year. And I use the example and I forget what the game's called. I know it's a very easy one where it's you know, you start with one phrase and you whisper it in somebody's ear and it goes down the line. Yeah. And then what do you get at the very end? some usually very off version of what it started with. And unfortunately, we we see that in the industry, right? Somebody oh, yeah. gets somebody goes into the hospital for, you know, an acute event. So they they give them whatever med list they have. The hospital takes it down. They're in there, they get their meds changed. They get discharged to a skilled nursing facility. Then those medications have to be put back into another EHR system. It doesn't transfer automatically. Somebody is manually doing that. Then they get sent to a pharmacy like us, uh, their long-term care pharmacies. Then those medications get entered back into another system. And then they get sent to the nursing facility, which usually sends another you know, interface signal, and they have to then accept them back in their EHR. So there's right. a lot of room right now for error. And you do see it. It's not all the time, but you know, you do see it. And it seems logical, right, that those things are preventable. And I have heard of a few big EHR platforms starting to really look at some of this. Um, it'd be nice. I'm hopeful. I, I don't know if that'll happen, you know, sharing the data and being it, it would be great. And hopefully it does in the future. But yeah, that would definitely be a, a huge help to us. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the other things I, I've i been thinking about happening in the future is this trend of consolidation. We have consolidation across different markets out there, both in the retail and long-term care setting, uh, even in the hospital space. 
you know, health systems are consolidating. They're gobbling up all these smaller players and the big fish are getting bigger. And one of the, the challenges with that is we see stores closing in retail, right? I think Walgreens, CVS both closed. I think a combined total of between six and 800 stores last year. So, uh, and we're talking about a labor shortage. You hear this all the time. You hear that there's a shortage of labor. We've got historically low unemployment. Can't find people to work. Um, and retail is having a really hard time, especially. But tell me about the employment situation in long-term care uh, from what you've observed. And where do you think that's going? Yeah, it. we're obviously facing challenges, too. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. It's Right now, it's easier to get a pharmacist, right? We mm -hmm. typically can get pharmacists pretty quickly. Um, and that kind of is a byproduct of how bad some of these retail uh, settings are, mm -hmm. that people are jumping to the chance um, to come work at a setting like a long-term care. Uh, the technician problem is is a problem right now. You're right. We, we, we're facing these shortages. Pennsylvania is unique in that it's one of the few states that still, and I know it's in the works, but we still don't have a certification through the state program for our pharmacy technicians. Right. We don't license tech. Right. We don't. Yeah. And there's some challenges that are going to come with that when that flips over um, mm -hmm. and when that changes. But right now, the challenge with that also is that these people, um, sometimes we fight over the same employee. Um, we're from Western Pennsylvania and here. So I'll use some examples. Sheets, you know, yeah. they can go work at these other types of places and, um, we fight over that employee. So I think it makes it more difficult. Um, so what do you have to do? You have to look at your operations and hopefully make sure you're doing things as efficient as possible. You know, you look at things repeatedly and say, okay, um, can we hire somebody else? Sure. Are we going to be able to, who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, so you have to make sure everything you're doing within those four walls um, is efficient and yet you're meeting the nursing facilities expectations. So it can be tough. Um, but yeah, we are, we are facing some very similar challenges. Well, you know, I can imagine that it would be even more difficult to hire those technicians right outside of, you know, the market, because among pharmacists, you know, people who are in the know, a lot of pharmacists don't even know about long-term care as an option for them, right? I mean, they might know about it, but might say, well, I couldn't do that. You know, I've only worked retail. How I would never be able to work long-term care. Of course you would. You know, get out there and try it. Be brave enough to try something new. But as a pharmacy technician, I think you're even at a greater disadvantage. Like you might not know that's out there. And good techs are hard to find. I've worked with some of the some terrific pharmacy technicians in my career. Um, I'm really grateful. I've learned a ton from them. And a good tech is worth their weight in gold. Absolutely. They're, they're the lifeblood of our pharmacies. We go as they go. And you're you're right. They're long-term care isn't well known. Or like the no offense to redheaded stepchilds out there, but you know, we're kind of the byproduct. And people hear about it usually via word of mouth. It's like, hey, I just got this job in long-term care. It's pretty sweet. It's a lot better than you know, when I was at retail mm -hmm. um, and we mentioned retail too, I should say, it's like, we're talking more of big box retail, not, yeah, not our community, not independent, no, independent community yeah, pharmacies. Yeah. Just so I want to get nasty grams. Um, Cause I'm a big fan of independent community, um, but it is tough. And I do think they don't know about it. There's not enough awareness about it. So, you know, maybe doing things like this will help, right? Well, get that word out. Right. 
you know, we're trying to bring more awareness to the long-term care space. Um, when I worked in closed-door pharmacies, my customers were long-term care uh, and hospital pharmacies, but predominantly long-term care. And so I got to know what that space was like. And when I was looking to get a job at a software company that services long-term care pharmacies, I called up my buddies who worked in long-term care and I said, what is that like? Tell me what a day is like in your job. You know, help me understand what this domain of pharmacy is, is really all about. And, you know, once you learn about it, once you get into it, I think it's a really great way to take care of people. And, and it's not just anybody, it's people who are the most vulnerable in our society. We're talking about, you know, residents of a place where, uh, you know, you asked me to define long-term care and I'm always going to tell you, look, it's a, it's a place where you've got a bunch of people, they're in one spot, they're not going anywhere for a while, right? That could be a skilled nursing facility, be assisted living, uh, could be a group home uh, for folks with disabilities, could be a prison, really, it really could be anything. There, it, it doesn't have one particular, you know, set of criteria, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes to go back to how you can leverage automation and AI and why it's beneficial is that some days it can be Groundhog Day, right? And you forget mm -hmm. when you're in those four walls what your end goal is. And it's to get the, you know, the five rights, right, to these residents who deserve that. And like you said, the most vulnerable population. And that can be tough. So if you're able to relieve some of that administrative um, work off of your employees so that they can focus on that end result a little better. I think that's a benefit. Oh, yeah, absolutely true. You know, let's let's shift a little bit and talk about drugs. Um, when we think about the future. You know, there are new drugs coming out all the time. We've all seen the commercials on TV at night and all these drugs. There are it seems like there are no new small molecule drugs, right? Every single new drug on the market is a specialty or biologic drug, right? Very expensive injectable and for a very specific disease state right um and these drugs are high dollar right and as as we shift to you know biologic drugs as the mainstay of therapy for certain disease states especially disease states of the long-term care population mm -hmm. right not only are these becoming a bigger cost center for the pharmacy right there's greater risk right because there's more on the pharmacy to manage the cost of these drugs, making sure that you're accurately billing, that you're getting paid, right? Because, you know, you get a claim taken back on a $5 drug. Okay, it stinks, but you're only out five bucks. But if the drug is $5,000, now that's a way bigger deal, right? You're talking about a different animal. And the way the future is going, we're seeing these drugs used more and more. Um, are you seeing that in your practice? And what are some of your thoughts on how that's going to keep going? Yeah, so first of all, Mark, you know they they don't ever audit five dollar drugs. You'll never yeah. get you'll, you'll never get an audit slip back for yeah. your five dollar <laughs> drug. It's always going to be those. But yeah, we do see more of it now. I will tell you, in our space, it isn't heavy. Um, we we aren't heavy quote unquote specialty drugs, which sometimes is a loose term too of what's specialty and what's not. Mm -hmm. um, we do see that specialty, I think, is in a good place right now, specialty pharmacies in order to, you know, to utilize some of those things. Um, but there definitely is a trend in being able to manage those types of medications and show the benefits, like we said earlier, to some of the insurance providers. Thanks so much, Patrick. You know, we've had a great conversation today, and 
I'm really grateful to our listeners and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Uh, just want to give a quick update for you folks who are listening at home. This episode of Framework Focus will be released during the 13th Annual User Conference uh, for Framework LTC at the Encore in Boston Harbor. Now, if you're at the conference, uh, you're able to attend breakout sessions on many of the same topics that you've heard on today's episode. Things such as automation and dispensing, LTC at home, and much, much more. Now, even if you weren't able to attend this year, it's the perfect time to mark your calendar for next year's conference, the Framework LTC User Conference 2024, which will be in October at the ARIA in Las Vegas. We hope to see you there. Uh, I want to thank Todd. I want to thank the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Patrick Hussey. I want to thank you, our listeners out there. And we'll see you next time on Framework Focus. Yeah.